you know, imagine if you were standing on a table and all of your friends were on the outside at floor level and you wanted to try to pull them up onto the table. It would be a whole lot more difficult. It's easier for them to pull you down off the table because they're at the, the floor level than it is for you to pull them up. Right. So we need to be careful on who we hang out with because we will look like what we hang out with. You know, Paul Washer said, oh, my child got hung up with the wrong crowd. And his response was, no, your child is the wrong crowd. You have to realize that. And wow. Ken Ham with his book, Already Gone, you know, he talks about how your child was already gone before he left the house. You just didn't know it. And they hid it well. Wow. You know, so we need to be careful on who we hang out with, what we read, and what we watch. Mm-hmm. What do we watch in private? What do we read in private? And who do we really want to secretly hang out with in private? Yeah. That's what we're going to become. Everybody's doing it. Do people really say that, you guys? Because I, I hear, you hear it um, maybe in, in like a movie or in weird reenactments. I've heard everybody saying it. Everybody's saying it. <laughs> yeah. Everybody's doing it. I mean, but that's the mantra, right, mm-hmm. of, uh, of peer pressure. I remember when I was... 15, just before I turned 16, uh, right after 14. It was after 14, I think. What do you think was going to happen? But before 17, right? Yeah. That's me. You see what I go through, friends? This is what I go through. Three persecutors every day. Uh, But no, I... I, Do you you think friends are listening? (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, friends. Uh, So some friends of mine and I decided, well, they were talking to me about doing LSD. And they said, man, everybody, not is doing it, but everybody's got to at least try it once. And it's so stupid because, you know, that's like the dumbest philosophy ever. But as a kid, mm. it, there's something, it sounds kind of intriguing and sophisticated. Oh, yeah, just try it once. And was that enough for you to try it with that? that egg you want enough? Well, you know, look, Growing up in a Middle Eastern home, I was really averse to to drugs. Like I, I said, I never wanted drugs. I did, mar- I did smoke marijuana maybe five, six times, not really wanting to, but peer pressure, which is what we're talking about today on the Living Waters Podcast. And um, <laughs> please don't laugh at your own jokes. Do you have Tourette's? It's a gift. <laughs> Making that myself laugh. Uh, but no. Uh, so and 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 only the only ways it ever affected me was it made me fall asleep a couple times. But Wasn't it a long term mental effect? <laughs> I'm not sure. If I got, are you say, sure? They say with pot you need to smoke it a number of times before it hits you. I That's guess. what I'm you sorry. did. I'd rather not know. Anyways, so I was shocked that I was Mark, sort of getting tantalized by that because I always said I'm never going to really do drugs, right. you know. But uh, we looked around for it everywhere that day, and they could usually get it like that. Couldn't find it anywhere. I got saved like maybe a couple months after that. Wow. I praise God because with my crazy brain, I probably would have had a really. Do you think we're more brain. susceptible to it at that age than we are at mature age in twenties, thirties? 
Yeah, why don't people start doing drugs at 50 or 60? Oh, well, are you asking about drugs or peer pressure? Oh, anything. I mean, just peer pressure. Well, you, I know, think, you, think, you think, okay, I'm out of that teenage thing, but he can involve in golf, and you see the golfers all wearing yeah. fluffy pants I think <laughs> funny hats, so you just get it, and you think you're like the golfer. That's, I, that's a really good question. And uh, honestly, being influenced by your peers is not a part of the fall. It's actually a part of the design of God's beautiful and good creation. We were designed for community and we are when we are in a good and uplifting and beautiful community, it draws us closer to God. The problem is is when peer pressure, when community is influencing <gasps> us away from the glory of God, that's where the issue comes to play. So you're saying there's good peer pressure? I think, well, I think if you framed it away from peer pressure and you just thought of the influence of the people around you, mm. right? It's like, it, I've said it before, my grandma used to always tell me, you are who you hang out with. And when I was a kid, I hated that because I was like, I'm the leader. I'm the one influencing them. What are you talking about? But as I get older, she's 100% right. Mm. And how do we disciple new believers? Like, you, you invite them to start spending more time with seasoned Christians. Why do we invite them to do that? Because we were made for community. We get to know God, know ourselves, repent, and grow as Christians in community. So so you can phrase it as peer pressure, but I would just say we are designed for community. Uh, our community influences us. So therefore, take a look at your community and ask yourselves, what are they influencing you towards? Mm. Towards God or towards sin? Yeah. Mark, were you susceptible to peer pressure when you were younger? Well, you know, I'm sure that I was. The, the only difference, I think, between me and maybe somebody who uh, gives in a lot is I didn't have a lot of friends growing up because I still went to— Still don't. I still don't. But uh, <laughs> I went to so many—I attended 14 schools, right? I, so all throughout— I've heard you say that, but I'm convinced Yeah, but you don't know. It was all at once. He was a genius. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so I did. So wait, I didn't have fourteen. From what age to what age? I never went to the same school. So starting in uh, kindergarten, first grade, second grade, third grade, fourth, it was all oh, you're a different school every single year. Wait, all the way to senior year, except for high school. Oh, and and with high school, I went to the same high school for all four years. Wow! But wow. that did a number on me with reaching out to the loner because I was the loner and. I've said this before. You and I have talked about this, right? I was a senior in high school, and I found out there's no Santa Claus. <laughs> Ray's giving, Ray's giving me a right hug now. right now. You can it see that. It still makes me laugh. Because we didn't have a You were a senior? Like I was a senior. People are done talking about that. But Mark, uh, but Mark, really? Like, I mean, really? Really? A senior. My grandma told me that there was. <laughs> she lived with us, and I believed her. I didn't, I didn't put it all together. See, you, see, now you guys know why? Now you guys know why I taught my kids that there's no, yeah. no Santa? Santa. You got Look, me, Papa, it's to, Moses! I went to nine different schools growing up, and I lived in 21 different homes by the time I was 21 years old. So wow. you got me beat on the schools. Yeah. So I can relate because I feel like in some ways, when I feel peer pressure, I actually feel more influenced to move away from it. And that can actually be a bad thing too because when I'm in a church setting— and the pressure is good, it's inviting me to something good, I'm always looking at it from a different perspective. Yeah. You know what I mean? Ray, did you ever, in your life, did you ever feel pressure to go under a desk and grab anyone's <laughs> leg? 
Oh, stop I don't it. know where that came from. I <laughs> yeah. just felt like that? that'll Maybe. send me in a different direction. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Bigger, please tell us about that, Ray. You really want to hear? Yeah, it? got uh, it. Our friends. Friends. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hear it. No, when I was in school, we had a, a, a school teacher, music school teacher, who was partly deaf, which is kind of kind of weird. His name was Mr. Kirkman. <laughs> Wait, a music teacher that was deaf? <laughs> yes, yeah, and it was very sad. He's a very likable guy, and he used to teach us nice songs and that. But uh, during we would separate from the girls. They get a cooking or something. We'd go to uh, music, and during one of these sessions, it was utter chaos because he had his back to us playing a piano, thinking, you know, we're loving Bach and Beethoven and stuff like that, but there was chaos. Paper planes going around and stuff like that. And uh, in one of these sessions, it was chaos. I saw a guy underneath a pew pulling another guy's leg, and I thought, that's disgusting. So I crawled <laughs> under the pew, grabbed his leg just to, you know, pay him back. And I was pulling his leg when some idiot with a firm grip grabbed my leg and began pulling. So we had this whole line of leg pullers. Now, I had one free leg. I thought, oh, teach this guy, so I kicked him around the face level, turned around, I saw it was the principal would come in to see what was going on because it was such a noise. So he said, get to my office, the three of you. Um, and so we went to his office and we didn't say a word to each other because we knew what was coming. Um, the paddle? Yeah, no, it wasn't a paddle, it was what's the called a cane. Cat. It was a three-foot piece of cane. And it was behind his door and he came in, he said, bend over. Oh. And uh, we bent over and Man, it hurt. I don't. I, he only gave us two weeks. They seriously used to do that. Yeah, cool. it was Isn't good. Crazy. Well, I mean, think back. I mean, it made you, you know, respectful. You the didn't... Board of Education applied to the seat of. That's right. And there was something called the six, six of the best in those days. That was when you got six of the maximum you're allowed. But the two, man, it hurt. But what I say is that I'd far, far rather receive a, a thousand canes a day by the right hand of our most robust football player than be in my sins on judgment day. Wow. That's it's a good. fearful thing because we were terrified while we were waiting. Yeah. We knew what was coming. We knew there was wrath to come. But the pain from the cane when it came wasn't as bad as the pain from the cane before it came. You almost like forgot that. it. I almost <laughs> forgot it. It's been a while. But anyway, uh, let me get rid of the peer group pressure. I was incredibly influenced in the surfing world hmm. uh, through pre- peer pressure. Um, Certain guys would get a pair of Levi's from the United States. That was just mm. incredible. You'd, that guy was up on a pedestal because he was wearing Levi's. If he were, wore kids' sneakers, that was what surfers wore. You'd wear a, a penny T-shirt. It was a makeup T-shirt that had a pocket on the uh, left-hand side, and that's what all the top surfers would dress like. And then you'd have hair on your shoulders, and, and that was just a uniform. Hairy shoulders? Yeah, hair, hair on your shoulders. <laughs> uh, it's like a friend of mine who used to get skydive and land on his back and not get hurt. <laughs> anyway, um, so it was, we, were, we were pressured to be individuals that looked like an army all dressed the same. It was just crazy. Not only that, but we acted the same every Saturday night. Everyone would get drunk and go out to get a girl. It was just like that. When I became a Christian, I was immediate released from, immediately released from that lifestyle. I was mm. so set free. I thought, I don't care what anyone thinks. I don't care what anyone thinks I do. I just want God's approval, not other people. And it was just, uh, you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. I was free to do what I wanted to do on Saturday nights, not be part of the army that, that conformed to everybody else for everyone else's That's approval. Good. Wow. Uh, by the way, friends, post-COVID coughs and bizarre laughs. That's what's going on when you hear that coming from me. What you just said reminded me of this verse, just talking about how when you got saved, you were free from that and, and weren't running in that way anymore. First Peter 4, uh, uh, beginning verse 4, it says, uh, no, First Peter 4, beginning verse 1, Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind. For he who has suffered in the flesh ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of 
his time in the flesh for the lusts of men, but for the will of God. For we have spent enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles, peer pressure. When we walked in lewdness, lusts, drunkenness, revelries, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. In regard to these, they think it strange that you do not run with them in the same flood of dissipation, speaking evil of you. Hey, listener. Have you ever imagined yourself having a box of goodies for you to give away to every friend, loved one, non-believer that crosses your path? Well, now you can get one. That's because Living Waters is giving away 10 free boxes of goodies every single week. That's eight in the USA and two overseas. And this is being made possible by a faithful partner of ours that has given us funds to make these resources available to you for free. Each of these boxes has $100. That's right, $100 worth of tracks, books, and even your very own podcast mug. Go to livingwaters.com forward slash podcast, fill out the form, and then listen to the end of the episodes where we will be announcing our winners. Livingwaters.com forward slash podcast. Good luck. That is so true. It's reminding me of, uh, uh, I was on my way to church, I was about a two-week-old Christian, on my way to church holding my Bible, and a guy came past who I knew, a surfing buddy, and as he went past on his bike for no reason, he told me that I was number one with his finger. <laughs> <laughs> and I had, I thought, why did he feel like that? And it's exactly, they'll speak evil of you yeah. because you've turned around and then they know you're living for that which is right, not for that which they live for. Yeah, and they think it's strange. Like, yeah. What? I, I remember one time talking to a former uh, partner in crime of mine after I got saved. He had moved out of state. And I called him, I said, hey, Was that just as seriously a former partner of crime who was just saying he was just a friend? Well, I mean, we were, yeah, we were just, yeah, we did wicked things together. Okay. And he, so I called him, I said, hey, man, I'm a Christian. I got born again. And and I'm talking like uproarious outbursts of laughter. (laughs) He totally thought I was joking. He thought it was the biggest, funnest, funniest joke in the world. Mm. I go, no, no, I'm serious. You're not doing this anymore? You're not doing this anymore? No, man. He could not believe yeah. it. And, and again, it reminds me of this verse. They, they think it's strange. But I love what Peter says, you know, for we have spent enough of our past mm. lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles. Right. Yeah. And that's what it is. It's that peer pressure. And they're kind of like, you're not running with us anymore? That's good. You're not doing that anymore? You reminded me when I got baptized, I had called up a bunch of friends of mine that were not believers, some of them atheists, some of them not so much atheists, but ran in that same circle and I invited them to my baptism. And they all, same thing. We're like, come on, man, this is ridiculous. We're going to Vegas that weekend. You want to come to Vegas with us? That was their counter to my invitation was they had planned this Vegas trip on my baptism and they were like, just come on, let's just go to, why don't you just go to Vegas with us instead? Like they just couldn't wrap their head around. Well, you know, you think think that that peer pressure would work in, in, in alignment with the faith, right? Because as, as an unbeliever, I was, you know, I was a leader among my friends and they would typically follow in the things I would do. So when I got saved, I'm like, oh, cool. All my friends are getting saved. <laughs> you know, it was like this automatic, and boy, <laughs> and for a rude awakening, you know, it's just because you're not joining a social club. You're, you're being regenerated right. by the spirit of God. And it was like, yeah, all my, I remember walking I was the kind of guy when I was in high school that could never be seen alone. 
Like to me, it was like utter shame to walk on campus without your entourage, you know. And I remember after I got saved, uh, I well, I got you know, I, I got kicked out of my first high school, went to my second, got kicked out of my second, got saved, got back to my first high school, uh, and so I knew, you know, I had all these friends, all, I knew all these people, <clears throat> but I was so worried about going back into my old ways that I decided I'm just going to, I'm going to be a loner unless I find other Christians. And I hadn't found any yet, you know. So at lunch, I would go and I'd listen to sermons in my car and eat lunch in my car. And, and I remember one day walking through campus and seeing, you know, old friends and all these different groups hanging out. And I suddenly felt a sense of loneliness. Like, yeah. oh. I started to tear up. I'm like, man, I was a guy who'd never hmm. been seen alone, you know. And, and then the Lord just ministered to my heart, and it was like, man, I am not alone. I've got Christ with me. And it was just like I quickly snapped out of it, and it was like, oh, Lord, I would trade anything to just love that. know you, you know? I do think, though, that God uses Christian communities to seek and save the lost. Uh, yeah. There's been quite a bit of work in, with Christian historians that look back at evangelism in the early church, and they say that they wouldn't. One of the key points that they make is that they would not hold back discipleship amongst only believers that they would act as the, even though they knew somebody was a non-believer, they would basically invite him into discipleship, right. knowing that they would they would preach the gospel and through community, <coughs> through witnessing the love for one another and the love for Christ, that the Lord would do something. We've got a great story at our church. My pastor met this atheist at a coffee shop, and uh, he met him there because the, the the owner of the coffee shop was like, "Hey, I grew up with this kid. He's an atheist. Um, I want you to meet him." And so. They end up meeting, and you know, my pastor's got his Bible on the table, and the guy, one of the first things he does is he mocks the Bible, and he's like, oh, come on, you don't really believe that stuff. And so he invites me to the, my pastor invites me to the coffee shop. We start a relationship with this guy. Start talking with him, preach the gospel to him, inviting him to read books with us. He was also going through a divorce at the time. Hmm. And he would come to our church every now and then, be interested, but then not really sure. We'd invite him to men's Bible studies. He'd grow, he'd be interested and respectful, but not really sure. And I mean, the guy heard the gospel over and over and over again. And so what finally did it is we invited him to New Year's Eve. Mm-hmm. And we were all there hanging out as family members. And on his way home, he was reflecting on the witness of our marriages. And he said, you know what? There is something about the gospel that is true in the way they treat the wives treat their husbands and their husbands mm-hmm. treat their wives. Wow. And on his way home from our New Year's Eve party, he got saved. Wow. Isn't that incredible? Amazing. When you say he got saved, he pull over and cry out to God? Or? He did, yeah. In his car. I don't remember if he pulled over, but he cried out to God. Yeah. And that next morning, he called us. And he was like, I'm, I'm a Christian. Oh, and wow. we ended up baptizing him oh, a little bit later. Wow. And uh, so, I mean, the point is, is if we didn't hold back our community until he said yes. We invited <laughs> him into the community with hopes that the gospel would be made true as, as witnesses yeah. through our lives. Yeah. Yeah, that's beautiful, and that's what we're called to do. We're called to be salt and light in the world, and unbelievers do sense that difference when they're among us. I love that, Oscar. Talk about peer pressure. I don't know if it's peer pressure, but <laughs> do you take notice of the star ratings on Amazon? Huh. I, 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 I make a habit of it. Do you? Yeah, well, what happens, like, you see something's got so many five stars. This is exactly what I need. So you go to the one stars and someone says, this is utter junk. It is pathetic. Don't waste your money. Here's a video of what I got. And you're looking at me, yikes, I'm glad I didn't do that. Oh, you know? oh, yeah, yeah. You know, that's so funny, Ray. I was thinking about that this morning <clears throat> because Rachel just bought some new uh, towels for us. 
And she said, hey, what do you think about getting these or whatever? And the first thing she said to me was, they have really high ratings, good reviews, you mm -hmm. know? So this morning, you know, after I showered, I saw some fluff, you know, from them. And I'm like, oh, no, they're, they're falling apart <laughs> already. And then I'm like, but no, they got high ratings. They've got to be good, you know? It's like we so depend on that. Yeah. Uh, and, and we are influenced by that. So and then you spend an hour and a half picking the fluff off the towels, knowing Please. you. I'm like, I hope it's just because they're new, because this will destroy I actually life. hate new towels. I like older ones that are, that are not... You broken know, in. Well, yeah, they're broken in, and they actually can, can absorb the, the, the water. The water. Yeah. yeah. Hey, Mark. I pay attention to the ratings, Yeah. and there's one reason. If multiple people are saying the same thing, then you can be rest assured that that is accurate. I don't do the one-offs, right? If there's a single star and somebody said, I had the worst server ever, I go, well, get over yourself, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> First world problems. But if everybody is saying continually that the service is so bad here, yeah. guess what? The service is so bad there. So I think there is some validity in Could I just say something? Ratings. No. Could it be the opposing company, the one that's... They're all saying the same thing. They all go in to take them down. Yeah, I do, but I do wonder about reviews. Like, yeah. seriously, if I'm starting up some restaurant, I guess I'm, I'm going to have my grandma, my grandpa, my grandma's grandma's grandma. You call the Duggars. Call the Duggars. Call the Duggars. Bring them in. You know, I wonder, can you imagine people pay them just to go do reviews? But well, anyway. they do. They, they did lock that down because you'd show up at a restaurant and they'd say, hey, we'll give you dessert if you leave us a Yelp review. And you'd have to leave them the five-star review, show them, and then bring out your free dessert. So is that legitimate? Well, you can, think, can you I do think a horrible they review? They, you wouldn't get dessert. <laughs> <laughs> they bring um, out crumbs. Okay, so let me throw out this verse in, in relation to temptation, peer pressure. Obviously, temptation comes from... It comes from our own flesh, it comes from Satan, and it comes from the world, you know, the, the influence and the pressure of the world. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. And that brings us comfort, right? Knowing that Christ is going to be or has been tempted in all your areas as us. He can relate to the things that we are going through, mm. right? So he is the one that has gone before us, and we, we look to him, right? And it's not to say, and Oscar's brought this out in a previous episode, it's not to say that God's not going to give me more than I can handle. <clears throat> no, we've been designed to be overwhelmed within our DNA so that we trust in him, mm, Yeah. right? Some, somebody once, Vance Havner said, sometimes God puts us on our back, so that we look up. That's good. Mm. And that is the idea of trials and temptations. Well, I just have to bear my cross. I mean, that is so misunderstood. We should do a show on puns taken out of context. Mm. We did. did Certainly. Yeah. Yeah. It was puns. very memorable. Maxim. <laughs> uh, but we have been designed, right? So trials are a good thing. We, we need trials inside of our lives because those are stepping stones to get us to where we need to be. Mm -hmm. uh, we need those temptations to come inside of our lives. This is how we grow in our perseverance inside of our patience as yeah. well. Yeah, you know, this was one of the first verses I memorized as a new believer, and it was really helpful because— What's the reference? Don't look down. First Corinthians 10, 13. Yes, you got that. Uh, but I—it was a real strength and a help to me because what it's conveying in reality is that— the Lord, he's the source of escape, mm. and he makes that provision. And we know that when it comes to temptation, 
there's never an excuse in us saying, well, I just, there was no way I could avoid that. Of course we can. God gives us his word on that, you know? And, uh, and that's so important because, Ray, peer pressure, it, it's a real dynamic. I want to touch on a few verses in that regard. Yeah. But, but it, what, and what is it? Is it we don't want to appear a certain way? We want people to think of us in a certain way? Because I'm sure you've experienced it where you're smarting under that pressure. You don't want to do it. Everything inside you is saying no, but you give in. And what's, what is it? What's I, I think it's a want of acceptance. Um, we don't like any form of rejection. When I had my surf shop, it was a leather gear shop, surf shop, we had a surf uh, club of about 250 people that I'd give discounts to, and it was a way of keeping everyone coming, buying stuff. And yeah. Then I heard some kids are into drugs, or teenagers are into drugs, surfing guys, when there's no surf, they would either go and jump off a cliff or they'd take LSD. And I thought, they're crazy. And, um, and I thought, I'll never, ever take drugs. I'm married, love my wife, I'd never do that to her, blah, blah, blah. But one day, I did a complete reversal. I could not believe what I did. I went round to a friend's place and said, I'd just like to try LSD. And you and, were married. Yeah, I was married. Wow. And I, I went, I was, I remember I was in, wife. this is my first wife, my best wife. <laughs> I have a wife. So I, was, I remember in his kitchen, he climbed up on the bench, got up to a top cupboard, and he pulled a piece of tape off, and there was a little LSD that was called clear light. And he cut it in half, I took half, a friend took half. And I had a six-hour trip, and it was Absolutely amazing. It could have sent me insane, but I had a good trip. Wow. And it uh, made, me, made me search the depths of my soul like I never had before. I stopped my car driving, and I, I can't even remember the drive. I was so out of it at one point. But I let people walk in front of the car, and I burst into tears at the thought they were going to die. And then when across the intersection, my wife got in the car. I thought, I'll never tell Sue about this. Ever. She sat in the car and says, I took LSD. <laughs> and I thought, what am I? I had no resistance of the uh, thought. I wasn't in control. It just came out of mouth. And she said, I'm so disappointed. Oof. Did you claim to be a Christian at the time? No, I no, wasn't no. a Christian. And uh, she says, I'm so disappointed. And went to have dinner at her um, parents' house. Her dad opened the door and it was like a horror movie. His mm. face looked so horrific. And, and I was hallucinating. Wow. I saw uh, my dog wasn't with us walk across in front of the television set, a foot off the ground, hallucinating. And I said, look at that dog. And, and my wife was making excuses for me. Went back home. Sue went to sleep that night. And that's when I sat on the bed and I hallucinated a, a ladder of the word why going from the bedroom right up through the ceiling into the heavens. I, I actually saw why, why. And that's when I burst into tears and cried out, why am I alive? Why is my wife going to wow. die? Why am I? I've never mentioned that it was the drugs that caused that. Wow. And I'll never forget that. And then I just cried out, never thought of God for a minute. And then six months later, that's when God answered that cry and I oh. got soundly saved. But um, oh. yeah, and I looked back and I thought it was peer, peer group pressure, mm. wanting acceptance from all my surf buddies because I was, I was aloof from them. As the owner of our surf shop, they were all enjoying themselves, taking drugs, and then five of them died uh, oh, through drug oh, usage, wow. and then we got wow. into making the movie. And Did you ever do LSD after that? No, never. But I was, as a non-Christian, I had such a good trip, I wanted to get Sue to take it. I could have bought, take, taken her into the drug world. Whoa. It was such a good trip. And then I heard of friends going insane. One stepped off a cliff on LSD, killed herself. Wow. Uh, one went to a, 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 a mental hospital. What do we call them now? Yeah. Uh, insane yeah, asylums. Insane asylum, and he didn't say a word for 12 months. Not one word. But no wait, but as an unbeliever, being that you had such a good trip, why, why, 
wouldn't you do it again? Yeah, that's my thought. I want to take Sue in here and let her see the depth. So of you what had I that thought? I had that but thought. That, yeah. And then I got saved, and so I thought, oh, thank God that He brought me back to my senses. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> um, all right, l- listen to this passage in, in Proverbs one ten to sixteen. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, come with us, let us lie in wait to shed blood. Let us lurk secretly for the innocent without cause. Let us swallow them up alive like Sheol and whole like those who go down to the pit. We shall find all kinds of precious possessions. We shall find our houses, fill our houses with spoil. Cast in your lot among us. Let us all have one purse. My son, do not walk in the way with them. Keep your foot from their path for their feet run to evil and they make haste to shed blood. Right. To me, that's the epitome of peer pressure. You know, come with us. Come on, join us. Let's do this. And you, you, know, you just get caught up in the hype. Yeah. And you do it. It's kind of like going to the wedge. We love going to the wedge when there's 10 to 15 foot, even 20 foot uh, swells. Shore break. I'm thinking, why is somebody on a 10 foot wave with shore break? It makes no sense at all. What, what's why that, that mean? Like that means it's going the... into very shallow water. So it breaks on on the shore, right? There's no recovery from it. And I'm just thinking, why are there people out there? You just know as you look out and you just see tons and tons of people watching you. There's some 20,000 sometimes. Yeah, there's so many people. And these people, and you're being held under the water. How long are you held under the water with these huge 20-foot waves? I just think I could hold my breath for like three seconds. (laughs) Yeah, with that weight under you, it it changes the dynamic. You're not just sitting on a seat holding your breath. Because your lungs are getting squeezed. Yeah, you're just getting squeezed. Is that peer pressure getting them out there to surf? Absolutely. What if there's nobody watching? (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm in my, uh, there's a few of us we're elite in our little circle like you get with everything and I won a surf contest once had a surfboard shop and all this blah and I heard my friends say if there was no one watching I wouldn't even go out really yeah and you think that is so wicked but then you think who would want to run a, a, a mile and win if there was no, no crowd there, uh. no, no accolade, no medal to show everybody? <laughs> oh, you know, so it, it comes back to wanting the praise <laughs> of men rather than the praise of God. And so I, I, that was a revelation for me. I thought, is that why I'm doing this? Mm. There's, no, there's no, like I used to when I was 13, it was absolute pleasure to surf. And then it became, look at me, it's my ego that's mm. being fed. And, and it became kind of sick and I was so pleased to get out of that scene when I became a Christian, yeah. Nobody yeah. would train for the Olympics. Yeah, that's you know, true. If there's no praise, I mean, I just got to mention that verse that you're all familiar with, uh, Romans 12:1, where Paul just didn't say, "I want you to check this out." He says, "I beseech you, mm. I plead with you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, you present your bodies as living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, oh, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind." That's what happens with regeneration. When we're born again, we get a renewed mind. We think differently. Understanding is enlightened so you can see all things clearly like the blind man that Jesus yeah. touched. I, you know, I want to I pay attention to the fact that peer pressure, sometimes it is clear and obvious. I'm thinking about like your average Christian, man or woman, who you know, has a regular secular job, whose majority of friends are maybe outside of, of their Christian community, um, the average peer pressure can be um, very obvious. It can be that moment where you know you told your wife that you weren't going to drink, and you're out on the golf course, and your buddies are trying to get you to have one, and you're like, oh, "Okay, I will." It can be that way, mm-hmm. uh, and it's important to recognize that, that is peer pressure, even as an adult. It's not confined to childhood, but peer pressure 
is much more subtle than that too. Again, what I was talking about earlier, I wanna, I wanna, <coughs> clarif wanna clarify what I said is that we are designed for community. What I mean by that is that we are created in the image of God and community is actually a part of the alpha and omega-ness of God, right? Because he was not alone before creation. He was with himself in the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, enjoyed and glorified each other for all of eternity. And so there's a type of community in the Trinity, and we are created in the image of God. Therefore, we are created for community. When Adam was created, what did God say? It is not good for man to be alone. Hmm. We are meant to be together. And so it's important for us to take a survey of our lives. If we are Christians and we are living out a kind of life where we're like, man, I feel like I'm not growing to be more like Christ. I'm not, I'm not satisfied with my transformation. I keep returning back to the same sins over and over again. You don't have to be a kid to have peer pressure. Take a survey of your life. Look around at the people that you spend the majority of your time with, whether that's work, friends, whoever it may be. Are they the kind of people that are pulling you towards Christ, that are sharpening you, that are willing to call you out and sharpen you for your good? Do they love you in that way? Or are they pulling you down in a way from what God has for you. This is an important question that we have to ask. Peer pressure is not confined to childhood. Yeah, yeah. so true. And that's why 1 Corinthians 15:33 says, "Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals." You know, it's important for us to to remember that there's influence from those that we're around. And to that point, that's why it's important that we have integrity in areas of convictions. Because this is where the herd goes, you know, like, well, none of my friends are there, everyone does this. So, and we're not really checking our hearts and saying, <clears throat> even though they're all doing it, even though they're all watching that or listening to that or going there, okay, but Lord, is this something you've given me clearance on, you know? Or, or am I not doing it just because they're not because I don't want them to think this of me? Now, sometimes we refrain because we don't want to stumble or offend. Of course, right. that's love but we have to have integrity in that regard. And one more thing, and I want you to, to sh say something, Mark. Um, you know, it, you guys ever see in church when people, the whole sit, standing, sitting thing at different services and no one knows exactly should we still stand or not and half are sitting, and everyone's looking around. And, you know, it's that, isn't that weird? That I, I can't stand that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sitting down. Let's for sit this. on that for a minute. Yeah. Um, but Mark, sorry, you were going to say something, Mike. Well, Proverbs 13.20 says that if you want to be wise, you hang out with wise men, mm -hmm. right? It's worded like this. He that walks with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. Mm -hmm. I recently went out with a young man who just started to be interested in a new believing girl, a Christian. And I said, you know, wait, wait till you see fruit inside of her life. Wait for the... Uh, the approval of your parents. Right. And I gave the example of something that I heard when I was younger, and that, that was, you know, imagine if you were standing on a table and all of your friends were on the outside at floor level, and you wanted to try to pull them up onto the table. It would be a whole lot more difficult. It's easier for them to pull you down off the table because they're at the, the floor level than it is for you to pull them up. Right. So we need to be careful on who we hang out with because we will look like what we hang out with. 
you know, Paul Washer said, oh, my child got um, hung up with the wrong crowd. And his response was, no, your, your child is the wrong crowd. You have to realize that. And wow. Ken Ham with his book, Already Gone, you know, he talks about how your child was already gone before he left the house. You just didn't know it. And they hid it well. Wow. You know, so we need to be careful on who we hang out with, what we read, and what we watch. What do we watch in private? What do we read in private? And who do we really want to secretly hang out with in private? Yeah. That's what we're going to become. Yeah, and, and I think there's, like Oscar said, there's that balance. You know, if we as Christians are going to go and mingle with unbelievers, we better be prepared. We're going, we're going in, first of all, to genuinely love them. Mm-hmm. Um, and as we genuinely love them, we're there to reach them for Christ. We're ambassadors. We're representatives for mm-hmm. Christ. Intentional and purposeful. Totally. As opposed to we just hang out and play poker every week, me and these unbelievers. And I'm not saying anything about Christ. I'm not shining the light. I'm just... I blend right in. That, that's the danger, you know. <clears throat> Ray, I just wanted to say you're talking about, you know, what your friend said about surfing and, you know, I wouldn't go out if no one was watching or whatever. I remember as a kid, my elementary school was separated from my house by a chain-linked fence. One of my classrooms literally was about 200 feet from my front door. So I'd, you know, get up in the morning, I'd jump the fence and go to school. Well, we would do P.E. every day. And my beloved Arab family, as Arabs do, every day my mom, my grandma, you know, all the ladies that were home, they'd, they'd go outside, you know, right outside our, our place where we lived, there was just a, a big green belt. They would sit out there and, you know, eat Lebanese food or whatever. So, but we'd be running. And so when I would see they're sitting out there, the afterburners would turn on. I mean, look, I had polio when I was a kid. I have a chicken leg. My left leg is a chicken leg. It's weaker and shorter than my other leg. But I would leave everybody in my dust because I knew my family was watching. Yeah. And, they, yeah, la, 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 and they're all sitting there jumping up and down as I'm running, cheering. It's like PE. They're acting like it's an Olympic race, you know. But that reminds me, you know, of what Scripture says, to, to run the race with endurance, looking unto Jesus, hmm. the author and the finisher of our faith. We're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, those that have gone before us in Hebrews 11, the hall of faith, you know, that have... That have blaze the trail that, that have left us that example, you know? So it's divine pressure rather than peer pressure that we yeah, should be. Yeah, right. So you know, um, th- th- there was a guy who had a message and he was saying before we became a Christian, we had to give over to our sexual desires. We had to fornicate. We had to look with lust. We had to commit adultery. We had to lie. We had to steal. And the commandments were, you shall not steal. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not covet. But then when we became a Christian, it's all in the tone. Mm. you shall not steal. You don't need to steal anymore. You don't have to. You don't need to. You don't have to commit adultery anymore. When once you were a slave, but now you've been set free Mm, because of what Christ did. We were a slave to darkness. We were darkness. We were in darkness and we loved it. And now we are a slave to righteousness and we get to be living in the light because he set us free. Mm. Amen. And, and think of Paul's words, Galatians 1.10, for do I now persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men? Right. For if I still please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. Yeah. That's, that's really profound, you know? It's kind of like, you know, you can't fully embrace something if there's stuff in your arms. You got to let it all go mm. to fully embrace. And, you know, to, to fully embrace Christ, we have to let go of caring what man thinks. I mean, the fear of man is a snare. Yep. 
it is one of the biggest snares ever because it controls us. Boy, is there such a good point when you said the fear of man is a snare that's wanting his approval, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. wanting to be wanting to please him. So it's yeah. not just like a trembling fear. There's something behind it right. of wanting the approval of the of the And the opposite to that is the fear of the Lord mm-hmm. is the beginning of wisdom. Right. Yeah. A uh, couple more passages and we'll wrap up here. But Exodus 23, 2, it says, You shall not follow a crowd to do evil, mm. nor shall you testify in a dispute so as to turn aside after many to pervert justice. You know, you, you just sparked a thought. I watch a lot of old cowboy movies, really old ones. There's nothing as insane as a lynching mob. Hmm. You know, they're just, uh, let's hang him now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then suddenly there's a hundred guys all yelling out the same thing like yeah. bleating sheep, smashing down the door and shooting grabs and they go out and hang him. And it's just, are we that easily influenced? Yeah. And the, the key, yeah. yes. With the death yes, of Christ, it was, right? Yeah. And that's, and that's my next passage right here. So yeah. Mark 15, 6 through 15. Now at the feast, he was accustomed to releasing one prisoner to them, whomever they requested. And there was one named Barabbas who was chained with his fellow rebels. They had committed murder in the rebellion. Then the multitude, crying aloud, began to ask him to do just as he had always done for them. But Pilate answered them, saying, Do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? For he knew that the chief priests had handed them over because of envy. And it, it talked about, I didn't have the right passage here, but it talked about it how the, uh, <clears throat> the, the, the religious leaders had stirred up right. the crowd. I don't know where I, yeah, one minute they're saying, Hosanna, Hosanna. Next right. thing they're saying, crucify yeah. him, crucify him. And, and, the, and they, they stirred up the crowd. And then the crowd began with one voice to shout out, yeah. you know, crucify him, give us Barabbas. They whipped up the crowd to ask for Barabbas instead of Jesus, you know. And that's that influence of following a crowd to do evil. I right. saw after the Rodney King uh, beatings with all the looting that had taken place that there was a law that was passed that the people were not held accountable for the looting because there was a mob mentality hmm. and they're not held accountable Seriously? for their actions. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's California for you. Yeah. And so friends, uh, Oscar, did you find that passage? We're Which, no. Oh, okay. First Let Peter 2.11, it says, I, uh, I beloved, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. That there is an urgency in urging people to abstain from that which Christ died for. We need to be careful. We need to walk circumspect. We need to have calculated moves. We need to have calculated friends. We need to be friends with sinners and tax collectors, but we are purposeful and we are intentional mm-hmm. in the midst of all that we do. We cannot uh, just float downstream like we did before we were a Christian, and we must be ready and prepared to walk in the work which God has prepared beforehand. And if we are, as you read in the scripture, if we are still trying to impress people with ourselves, then we will never be able to impress people with Jesus. Amen. All right, here it is. I found it. Mark 15, beginning in verse 11. But the chief priest stirred up the crowd so that he should rather release Barabbas to them. Pilate answered and said to them again, what do you want me to do with him who you call the king of the Jews? So they cried out again, crucify him. Then Pilate said to them, why? What evil has he done? But they cried out all the more, crucify him. So there's that crowd. The, you know, the, the, uh, the chief priest stirred them up. Now they're, they're acting as one voice as a mob. It says... Um, and in verse 15, so Pilate, and this is, this is the irony of it, so Pilate, wanting to gratify the crowd, wow. released Barabbas to them, and he delivered Jesus after he had scourged him to be crucified. So you see that, that pressure coming from the chief priest, then the crowd, then it pressures mm-hmm. Pilate 
wanting to please the crowd to, to, to do that. And mom mentality is not gone. I mean, uh, Douglas Murray wrote a book called The Madness of Crowds, and in it he explores how social media has now influenced us that when crowds, there's basically a mob mentality on social media, and when the crowd starts chanting one thing, your social media is programmed, designed to influence and pull you into a crowd to start chanting that same exact yeah. thing. So it's not even just the friends you hang out with on the golf course, if you're a golfer, I am not, uh, but it's also the kind of uh, uh, subscriptions and likes that you have on your social media platforms. Yeah. yeah, seeking after those likes, seeking after those positive affirmation and comments on social media. Right. Yeah, and you know, the, the key is is to walk in the fear of the Lord and to be spiritually minded, to have an, that close, intimate relationship with Jesus where we're in his presence and we're being conformed to his image. That's going to give us the strength to resist the crowd. Uh, there was this, this really powerful song it was a Christian rap song, and the guy was talking about temptation, and he said, he was talking about this, the, the porn monster that was trying to suck him back into pornography. And he said, with my sword, I hacked it to pieces because I was way more attracted to Jesus. Nice. And I loved that line. I thought, wow, the more we grow in our attraction to Christ, the, the, the more distasteful the world and its pressure really becomes to us. Mm. And so, friends, we hope you've been encouraged today. Uh, we want to inspire you, and we want to equip you. That's why we want to encourage you to check out the Evidence Bible. And by the way, this is a shameless plug. Why do we want you to get it? Because we believe in it. That's why we produce that. That's why Ray compiled it. Uh, we just had uh, a comment on our YouTube channel about it this morning. This person said, guys, get the Evidence Study Bible. Seriously, I have never seen another Bible like it. It has helped me as a new Christian immensely. It has helped me with debating others on many topics. There are around 200 extra articles in it that you won't find in any other Bible. So helpful. Thank you, Ray. I love you all, and God bless you. So check out the Evidence Bible and everything else that we as a ministry put out, livingwaters.com, livingwaters.com. We hope you're pressured to do so. See you next time on the Living Waters POD cast. Oh, boy. That was nice. No, I'm trying it was to just, be unique. It was too dragged out. <laughs> oh, I'm special. It went on and on. Yeah, it's cute. His sign-off is like 45 minutes long. <laughs> well, I'm cutting it back three hours usually. Bye, friends. All right. Is that the end? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's the end. <laughs> winner, winner, chicken dinner. I have no idea where that ridiculous saying came from, but friends, we do have winners. Winners for the podcast giveaway. That is the Living Waters Podcast. We have Angela from Yucca Valley, California. Yvonne from Crestline, California. Brooke from Clayton, North Carolina. Andrea from Anderson, Indiana. Elias from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Becca from Lincoln University, Pennsylvania. Lowell from Yakima, Washington. Don from Charleston, Illinois. John from Ford, Australia. Good on you, Mike. And Dave from Will and Lane, United Kingdom. Congrats.